Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Electrician Live with your host, Paul Abernathy and Jay Brunberg. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Electrician Live. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and my co-host with me is none other than the Basement King, the Basement Jay Grunberg. King, Jay Grunberg, joining us from the basement. He's in his bunker. He won't leave until <laughs> after November third. Oh man, already. Ugh. Oh man, I didn't oh, waste man. any time with that one. I know. Well, hey, tonight I just want to let everybody know out there we, we're hoping to get you guys to call in. Oh, um, yes. We actually opened up phone lines for you guys. I, I think scrolling uh, you across did, the you? bottom, scrolling across the bottom is phone lines. Uh, if you yes. want to call in on tonight's topic, so Jay, go on and uh, it's Jay, right? Like, go on and and, and uh, let him in on what tonight's topic is here on Electrician Live. Yeah, so tonight's topic is one that I actually encounter quite a bit on both sides, whether it's uh inspection failures that I get from the inspectors or if it's misinterpreted code knowledge from the inspectors. So interpreted, interpreted. (laughs) I I think we went over this. That's got to be a Colorado thing, you know, interpreted. It it is. You mean what they've interpreted? (laughs) So tonight we are, I knew you'd get a kick out of that. Interpreted. Um, tonight you guys need to call in, call in and let us know. Um, what inspection failures that you guys have been hit on. If you guys have any questions on some recent ones, um, we, we really want to get you guys calling in and, and interacting with us tonight. So, Hey, Jay. Yes, sir. Is, is Robert going to join us? Are we going to learn anything tonight, maybe? Or <laughs> you know, after that comment that Robert ended with last show, I'm pretty sure that he's going to stick to your – you know your code, Wednesday night? Uh, prep exam. Yeah, my prep Wednesday exam. nights, my Wednesday night exam yeah. preps. Electrician live is not is it's not. You're not getting code prep exam, guys. Yeah, you are. You're Just, getting some tonight. Dang it! Us hanging out, having right. fun. So all right. So so, so I, you know, I asked Jay. In? I mean, I asked Joe to Joe. 
I asked Jay to say what the topic was tonight, and he's he went on with some kind of rambling. I don't know what the hell he went on with, but tonight's episode is inspections, corrections, and inspector confrontation. How about that? That's, that's exactly what it is. And so we're going to talk about, begins at, all right, now come from two unique, two unique backgrounds here. So those that know me know that I was an inspector, head of inspectors, uh, head uh, engineer for the city of Richmond, Virginia, and then ended up in Northern Virginia as a head of electrical inspections for Alexandria, Virginia. So uh, being an inspector, being a head of inspectors, having to deal with jurisdictions and do the training and stuff like that, and, you know, obviously being an electrician, I was at a, a little unfair advantage when I was, you know, doing a lot of contracting because I also did a lot of the education for the inspectors. So I didn't really have all that much confrontation with them. However, you know, through the years, they have come to me and I've been able to get in the middle of arguments to try to solve arguments and, you know, this, you know, education. It's all about education. But you have some unique experiences we'll talk about and uh, you've talked to me about some of them before, but we're going to go over them tonight. But as, as Jay says, the phone lines are open. You look scrolling across the bottom of the screen. You can call us at 214-945-0653 if you have a unique experience with an inspector or you are an inspector, you want to give us your position. But tonight we're going to, we might just be controversial, Jay. Yeah. Might just be a little bit. We need at least one caller. Yes, we, need, we need a code strong guy. Someone, Tim Johnson, Caleb, someone, someone give us a call, man. Somebody out there has had an in, a run-in or a confrontation, and they want to vent. They want to get it. They need to get it off their chest. So this is the show to do it. Again, number, scrolling across the bottom, call in. We'll, we'll put you right into the show and uh, keep it clean, or we're going to cut you off. <laughs> so, okay, all right. <laughs> So, Jay, why don't you lead us off with, uh, you know, talk about one of your situations, and we'll, we'll examine it. I do have the code book all queued up in case we need to, to look something up there. But uh, go on and uh, give us uh, some of your thoughts on some stuff, something you ran into. I know you ran into something recently because we talked about it. So let's hear it. Yeah, so, well, I have a list. I have my top five list. And he has the first a list. One that makes my list is... If you go into 300.4A1, which, again, if, if we get there, we will. If not, no worries. But that's where you have to not plate that framing member if you don't drill back more than an uh, inch and a quarter. Okay, so. From the nearest part of the hole. So let's let's explain it to the listeners because, again, you have to remember also I should say. Oh, Jay, before we even get started, we have to pay homage to our sponsor tonight. So the sponsor yep. tonight is electricianpride.com. So make sure that you visit electricianpride.com for all your phone cases, stickers, mugs, hoodies, T-shirts, all different types, cotton, mixtures. There's the mug right there. Uh, some great, great stickers. And, oh, hey, Jay, I guess I should do a plug tonight. Yeah, plug it um, up. So, guys, most of you know, most of you know, uh, those that are listening over the podcast, you obviously don't know, is the uh, – our. Um, P tabs are in, so there you go. Three full pages of P tabs and instructions on how to install the P tabs. Why do I call them P tabs? People ask because they're exclusively designed by me. The P is for Paul, so there you go. All right, and so 
Uh, they are definitely all types of articles and things that I want. And also, I should say the table tabs will be out in the next week or so. Those are the ones that go specifically for specific tables in the code to make your easier to get to them. Some most the most one I feel are the most important tables. Okay, so they'll be they'll go across the top or the bottom. I'm not sure yet. We'll know in about three days whether or not they're going to be top or bottom. Um, I prefer them to be bottom. But some people say they want top. I like to have it so that I can push the code book all the way up against something and it not, you know, affect bottom part. But it's just me. So, anyway, we'll see. So, anyway, just uh, shout out to those. Did, did table 310.12 make that list? Uh, 310.12? Prob- uh, well, it something? probably won't. Well, probably not because I think it's the cheesiest-ass table in the code book. Ah. But... But it's not a, no, it's not on a side tab and it's not on a top tab. But if I do, I'm gonna make it a special J tab. Okay, we'll call it a J tabs. You know, there we go. There you go. The top ones I'll call J tabs. How about that? In honor of J. All right. So anyway, let's put a little context into your 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 question. So those that are listening over on the podcast, um, oh, by the way, if you're listening on the podcast, come on over to the live stream. Um, and if you have listened and it's already past the broadcast, then there's always the replay over on the uh, YouTube channel. Go check it out, youtube.com forward slash master the NEC. All right, so what Jay's talking about in his case is 300.4 where you have a framing member and you bore a hole. And from the edge of that board hole, it's not from the cable, folks. From the edge of the board hole to the edge of the framing member has to maintain an inch and a quarter. And what I tell people is you have to remember it has to be on both sides, not just one side. I don't know how many people drill it and they're thinking about the portion inside the room where they're drilling and they're, they're really trying to be in the center. I get it. But then they are too close to the backside and they forget about the backsiding. And I don't know how many times I've seen people drive screws through the backside and all this kind of stuff. So how do you get a plate back there if you're less than an inch and a quarter from the backside? Uh, you got to knock the knock the points off of the nail plate and flatten it all the way out, stick it against the side of the actual 2x4 and the actual insiding, and, and you're going to have to take your side cutters and you're going to have to take a screwdriver and you're going to have to tap that thing in there. You're going to have to get it in there. Again, it's protection both sides, okay? Okay. Uh, Philippe said, well, Philippe, you're, you're in the uh, 2017 code. Jay, uh, Philippe said he can't find 310.12. That's because in your code, yes. Philippe, it's actually 31015B7, okay? And there's no table there. It's in, it's in Annex D. That's why he's bringing it up. That's why Jay wants to bring it up. Because the table got added to the 2020 code, totally useless table to me. It's like, learn to do the math. You don't need this freaking table. But he must have recently listened to my podcast. That's why he's bringing it up. Anyway, uh, but in yours, Philippe, in 2017 code, it's 31015B7. Anyway, Jake, you got us off topic. All right, so, so he's talking about the board hole in the middle of a framing member. Okay, Jay, I, I painted the picture to everybody what is your what could an inspector be giving you grief about this? Come on, man, that's basic. Well, no, I, I don't think it's grief that the inspector gives me. I think these what's are the like show my top, about Jay. Well, no, no, these okay, are these sorry. are my top five inspection oh, failures that I that I as a oh company that you owner failed received. Yeah, the, and and again, when when you think of failed inspections, 
you think of something big most of the time. It's it has to be something huge, and it's as simple as not putting a notch plate on a sixteenth inch steel plate on the front or the back. And I and fail you, you in a heartbeat one. for that. One out of out of a whole uh, three thousand square foot home, and and it's one notch plate. So, so uh, are you? But 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 are you there when this happens? Or because I mean, most of my guys would hang around, or, or I would hang around, and if a guy would say, "Dude, you got a plate." Yeah, I got a plate. We're going to put yeah. that plate on. <laughs> so, and if I saw a plate laying there, I put the plate on. Not inspectors say, I can't do that. Whatever. Yeah. Yep. I'm an electrician first. So whatever. Many of them aren't electricians. So maybe we don't want we, to put we the plate. We get so, so many jobs to where I can only pick and choose the ones that, that I want to be on. So maybe a big remodel. Uh, my PM, Chris, will be on a couple projects too. Maybe a service upgrade. Um, something like that. But again, doing so many basements that we sure. do. I can't be on all of them. So what sure. I do is I tell the guys, leave leave a five notch plates, leave five staples, five or six inside the window seal, and we'll give the um, general contractor, the PM for that project, we'll give them a heads up and just let them know, hey, these are here. If you use them, you use them. If not, just keep them in the little box that we have, and we'll get them on trim. So, yeah, But I that mean, is just a common one. Yeah, I mean, again, making sure – now, making sure that you use the biggest – auger you can to not f- force you to have to use nail plates obviously it's a pain in the butt to do that so again most of the time it's three quarter or something like yep. that is about as Maybe big as you can get feet. yeah and, and board try to stay in the center and then you, you don't you don't have to worry about it uh the other violation with that is usually above the panel top plates things like that where people are trying to get as many holes as they can in there to get their NMBs or whatnot down it and think about that, and and, and then you got to have to plate that up. So, okay, so that's your that's one of them there, your 300.4A uh, issue for boring holes and maintain an inch and a quarter. Okay, what do you got? What's next? Well, and that one kind of rolls into the strapping securing I was telling you about that we leave staples in the window as well at 334.30, mm-hmm. which uh, – Every four and a half feet and every 12 inches from a box, unless it's a a single nail-up box with no clamp built into it, folks out there listening, then you're going to have to secure it within eight inches. So in 334.30, it says every every 12 inches from the box and then every four and a half feet. However, again, when you're using a single nail-up box that does not have a clamp, which they typically don't built into them, you just knock out the hole. Then you yep. have to secure it within eight inches. So again, okay. So there we go. So not. So those are the most common two easy, simple ones. And and as a contractor, I have to either go out there myself or send someone back out there to do these corrections. I got to recall on the inspection the following day. It's holding up drywall. So these these are just the little things that again they're na- they're the nature of the beast. It happens, um, but it shouldn't happen. And and I've I've gone over in meetings with my guys to make sure that they're doing. A, a check, even the crew leads checking again while everybody else is picking up. Hey, man, make sure you're looking around the whole room, examining it all, looking as if you're an inspector wanting to fail someone. You you got to sure. think you want to fail someone because some of these guys do. So and and they'll hit you on those. And I've even been hit on one where I go back and I measure it and I call the guy up and I'm like, man, I'm I'm an inch and a half back from from the edge of the of of the stud. Oh, okay, well, I must well, have missed uh, it, I, I must have missed that. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, put one there, anyways. So, like i went back out and you're failing me on something that isn't a failure oh 
dude. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, let's get real for a second. And I'm going to tell you one of mine that I used to always fail people on, and it it and it and it's related to this. But at the end of the day, what I can't stand is somebody that will fail you, and they have no clue why they're failing you. They fail you. They don't know the code reference. They don't give you a code reference. They just they just fail you. And if I have to make if, if my guys had to make an extra trip because they got failed for something and and, and and inspector didn't say what it was, I'm the last person they want to deal with. All of my inspectors, I always made them. You couldn't fail. That was our rule. You could not fail them unless you had a code reference. If you can't find the code reference, how the hell can you fail them? It's just common sense. So. Okay, let me get to back to, uh, we'll talk about that, that a little more later, but let me get to one of mine. One of the things that I used to do, and you notice why I've got a shatter tonight, guys? I forgot to turn one of my cameras on. I wondered why, I mean, one of my, uh, one of my uh, lights in the studio on. I've got two lights on, I don't have that one on, so anyway, I'm going to be shadowed tonight. All right, anyway, one of the ones that I have is when you go up above a ceiling, like in the attic, and you go up and you're running across the ceiling joists, for some reason, people think you don't have to secure them. Now, when you read 334.30, it's securing and supporting requirement. So even though it goes up and runs over the top of the joists, yes, it's supported, but it is not secured. You're still required to secure it every four and a half feet. I used to go on job sites for the, even the you know, inspection and I would always grab a stick laying around on the job site or something, and I'd walk upstairs, and, it's, and, it's, and the electrician, of course, they all knew me. Maybe, and I rarely would go around the job sites, but when I did come out to the job sites in Alexandria, for example, people were like, oh, God, here we go. Uh, Paul didn't have nothing else to do today, I guess. So I'd they walk probably up- had like a name for you or something, Code <laughs> oh, yeah. Blue, Code no, Blue. No. No, 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 no. Well, if you were if you were Mexican, your name for me was Punta, and we won't even talk about that because I don't translate. But after I got called that about six times on a job site, somebody finally told me I was like, "Hey, they got this neat name for me." And then the guy said, "No," so he said he he, he called me over. He said, "Hey, Paul, I just have to tell you something. That's not what you think it is." <laughs> And then after they did that, they didn't, fa- they didn't pass another damn inspection for at least two I weeks or something. I was going to say, you probably like, flipped uh-huh. your lid, man. Punta, huh? Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. Reject. Uh-huh. Anyway. <laughs> so what code article is that? I don't even know. So anyway. Damn it. What was I talking about? I was just, oh. So you can't, don't, ins- don't fail some. So I would grab a stick and I would walk into the top floor of the job site and I would do the stick and I would, anytime the, the, the you know, NMB was running across top, I'd take my stick, I'd look over at him and I'd push up on it or I'd move it. And if it moved, I'd go, well, I'm going to, I got to, I got to go around the, uh, I got to go around the job site. So maybe I'll make another trip back up here and we'll check those. I didn't right. want, Give look, them, uh- Look, no inspector really, I mean, I can't imagine, no inspector wants to have to do it and leave and come back again. I mean, I've got, I had so many inspections. My guys would have anywhere from 15 to 20 inspections a day. Now, you were going to make a comment about what what your guy said about inspections and never in in the number of counties he has, but I'm going to tell you, 15 inspections for a thorough electrical inspector is too 
too many in a day because they have to go from site yep. to site to site. And if you're requiring them to write down everything, now a lot of our inspectors were combos. Okay, so I'm I was certified in plumbing, mechanical, building. Obviously, my electrical is my primary, but I had to be certified in all these other trades. Um, so our guys were too. So again, and I kind of hate that. I like when it's just electrical, it's just electrical. In Richmond, it was just Dang. electrical. But Alexandria, where I was, you know, the guys are all cross trained. Of course, they made a lot more money, but they were more cross trained. So it takes time on every job, and it just bogging them down. They just, I, you know, it was a, it was. They always were on the go, and they, and you miss stuff and things like that. But again, making them have to give code references for everything. Uh, means they had to stop. They, they, you know, they're good. They look at it and go, I think that's a code violation. Well, rather than think about it, grab your code book. And I used to create a cheat sheet for them. So basically it was about 15 pages of all the most common code issues in a house so that yep. they could just go pull it. That way they had a cheat sheet. They'd keep it when they're writing up their ticket. Um, With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, so I, I tried to make it easy as possible for him. But it's actually not it, a bad idea to, to have that if you're an inspector. Mm-hmm. The most common ones that you see. Kind and of if like you've been doing inspections for a while, you, you're, you're going to know what's the most common stuff. Just so you can get the code reference. Now, all of our guys were on computer system. So I also created an Word document so they could cut it and paste it into the computer system. So it would spit out the inspection. So it looked all nice and neat. Okay, but, you know. Old school, back in, in Virginia, the guys would write it out on every ticket. So, I mean, now, if you're like me and, and you know, one of the, if you have some knowledge of the NEC, then it doesn't take very long. I'm looking at that and go, mm, that's a violation of, oh, that's a violation of whatever. And you write it down. But, again, if you're doing so many things, it can take time. So, you know, it's, it's yeah, not so really it's fair. Back, back but, to what you were saying, the, the guy we had, or the guy I had recently, he – I. I called him up. I had about four inspection corrections. One was the fridge being on a dedicated circuit because it didn't share with the uh, small appliance. He, he'd mentioned the dishwasher and dispo being on dedicated circuits mm-hmm. and the outlet for the TV above the fireplace needed to be on an arc fault breaker. And mm-hmm. so I called him up and, and again, the project manager for the general contractor was on the job site so a lot of times I'm not on the job site for these basements or these little remodels. I am for the larger ones or projects that I think they need me there for and mm-hmm. or commercial ones. Commercial, I'm always on the job site. I, I try to be at least. And so I call this guy up um, and he, he calls me back. I couldn't get a hold of him, so I had to call the city. The city 
gives him my number. He calls me back. And I always know because it says restricted or blocked number. All the inspectors block their numbers. So so I get this call from this blocked number, and I, I, I pick it up, and I'm like, hey, you know, this is Jay with Wired Up. He says, this is so-and-so from Golden. How can I help you? And I pull up my sheet, and I go, well, I have these corrections, and I, I've, I've kind of code applied to all of them. Well, no, there is one other one. There was the um, the one for the range. He wanted the range plug to be accessible. Oh. Accessible. And so the other ones I had already I, – I talked to him through. So the fridge, it had multiple conductors in it, but it, we were using it as a junction box because in a remodel, we had two wires that needed to splice into the fridge box, but we had a dedicated circuit for it. The dish disposal – we had a 14.22 ran to it. So it looked like more wires than needed. I don't know how it was one wire. But anyways, the... Well, with the, with, well wait a minute. With the range one, you know, typically people are familiar with the allowance ranges, you know, is an appliance in, in 4.22. So it is one of those applications where as long as you can get to, it's a plug-in cord. So that is the disconnect. So as long as you get underneath, there's a draw, then you... Uh, or a drawer or draw, whichever part of the country you're in, uh, that you can get to it, then it's accessible. Um, the other aspect of it is if it's not and it's a hard wire, then you've got the panel if it's within sight or you have the ability to put a panel lock on it, breaker lock, if, if, if somebody were to drive you to that you know, problem. You know, create the problem and say, oh, you can't have it for the, this range or, or whatnot. So there's ways to work through it. Um, I mean, again, I'm not going to replace the dryer. I mean, the range, whatever I've got is what I've got. So we'll, we'll work. We could work through that. But um, anyway, I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt you. Go back to your story. No, no, you're good. So, so with the range though, we normally put the plug down low where either the drawer pulls out and you can uh, have, um, you can get to it, or you just pull the range out itself. Right. Because it's never really fixed in place. It's something you can pull out. A lot of them even have wheels like a. Like a refrigerator, same same concept, right? It's not mm-hmm. it's not really fixed like a dishwasher would be, in in my term, in in my understanding. So he tells me, yeah, just just look in four hundred or no. First he goes, well, I yeah, I, we talked about this. I, though. I, I, he had you all over the place. What's that? We he, talked he about all, this. He had you all <laughs> over the place except for where you needed to be. Place, he go first. He goes, I, I go. Well, where's the code references? For these, so I can understand why you're why I'm being failed on them. And he goes, "Why serve in 13 jurisdictions? If I gave if I give code references to everybody, I would be at my truck filling out tickets all day long." And I go, "Well, it's kind of what you signed up for, right? You know, like <laughs> inspector, I want to know." And so he goes, "Well, if we have a misunderstanding, then I'll I'll give you one." And I I kind of went back into the range situation. So we kind of have a misunderstanding here. Well, check in 400. 410 or 420, you know, somewhere around that area. And so I was just like, this guy's all over the place. Good inspector from, you sure. know, being able to uh, inspect in 13 jurisdictions. But again, on my job, I just didn't understand that. So I, um, I'm not moving it. It's going to stay behind the range. I have no issue with where it's at. I have no issue with the 120 volt for the gas behind the range as well. So I, again, I think some of these guys just, they fly through these jobs so fast mm-hmm. and, and they just, write anything and everything down and um so i had that i had that one come up recently and so was that was that resolved or or is that i mean have you had the final no i i called him back out for the 
rough. Well, no, after I explained to him what was going on and I knocked out five out of the six besides the range, he said the range he'll see on the rough, which sometimes the appliance isn't in at the rough, so I don't know how he's going to fill it if there's a drawer or not there. But um, everything else I talked to him through, so he, he went ahead and signed off. Okay. And, and that's all you have to do, really, with, with a lot of these ins- inspectors that I found out. If, if they're not understanding what your reason behind it is, and as long as it's code compliant, you just call them up. Uh, like you were saying, call them up, talk to them, see if they can give you a code reference or try to work it out. Um, and for the most just, time, I do. Just, just don't, uh, just don't BS me. You know what I'm saying? I, inspector, I, you know, I used to tell inspectors, you know, just like I used to tell employees, just like I used to tell my inspectors, uh, you have a hundred percent of my trust. The moment that you start BSing me or, or, or lying or whatever that, then you've lost it. And it's so hard to get back, right? It's so, so hard so, oh, so hard for you to, to earn it back, right? So. Oh, yeah. Bill says, Bill says we sh- you should be on, on inspections if, you don't, if you're not well-known in the city. Um, I agree. Again, sometimes yeah. I have four or five inspections in a day. So I, I pick and choose which, which ones I, I try to be on. And yeah, I try to have my project manager on them too. But. Yeah, you know what? I would think I would think that'd be pretty darn hard for you to be, you know, when you when you've got to be at multiple job sites. But you if you got good four people that you know, foremans or, or leads or whatever that you do that you here's my moment with Jay folks, that you should be having you know, some making sure your folks are up on code as well, right? Sure. You know, so again, but for those that are dabbling around uh, about his range issue, go to 422.33B in your code book and you can read all about it. Um, yep. And it also will end up sending you, you know, talks about the uh, A being the plug, allows you to use the plug and, and all that kind of good stuff. So, in case you're one of those that want to, Look at all that. Uh, I think, uh, Joe, I think they're in, think most of them are independent companies. I think they're a third-party inspector. Sorry, I'm responding to Joe. He asked if these inspectors are part of a municipality or town or a hired and independent company. I think it's a. this guy was a third-party inspector. See, in my, so in, in mo- my cases, all of my inspectors work for your municipality, and I've never worked for anywhere where we didn't have the municipalities. Um, but... You know, and a lot of the people I know that are third party actually are quite sharp. So yeah. the third party usually comes in and, and they have a little more time to be more accurate in, in what they do, whereas municipals get it overloaded and they're just trying to boom through a lot of them. And at least that's what we had in our situation. And um, I mean, I can walk both sides of the fence, so I don't have to sound like an a-hole saying, well, the inspector should do this. I was a contractor, was an inspector. And reality is, there's you know, it's two sides of the fence, but uh, you know, it's 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 different. It's different in every state. It's different in every you know. Again, in Virginia, I the inspections were all municipal. Although we did do third, we did allow third party for like high rises and things like that. Uh, but sure. again, it's to me the end of the day, it's irrelevant to the fact that they have to. I don't care who does it if you're if the third party's permitted by that jurisdiction to do it and accept it then they need to know the code and they need to be able to put the references. If they don't know, they're going to have a fight. 
You know, they're, they're going to have, I, I'm, I don't, I never, you know, some people are pushovers. I am not a pushover. As a contractor, if you gave me problems and I thought I was right, then we're going to go at it. And, you know, now some people say inspectors like messing with a pig wrestling in mud. They eventually will like it. What I don't like it is an inspector with a chip on their shoulder who has a God complex. A God complex is no place to be. You always need to learn. If you're an inspector, you can always learn something. You don't need to know it all and don't be shy or feel different if, if an electrical contractor has something to say to you about it. Okay? That type of thing. So, again, uh, that's just one of those things. So, anyway, what's else? What other issues so, do you have on inspections? Well, on my, my third one is for my inspection failures falls under 210.12a, and that's the AFCI protect, protection on circuits. Mm-hmm. Arc fault and I usually, yeah, so the arc fault protection. And I've been hit on it quite a bit when I run 120 baseboard heaters in bedrooms, and I forget to put those on arc fault. So that's some of my guys forget that. Sometimes I even forget. I'm like, oh, crap, that's right. I'm, first, it's like a baseboard heater. Mm-hmm. Seriously? And then, then it's unlike 210.8, which is a GFCI, which is devices. It's 210.12 is actually the circuit itself. So I, I forget that sometimes. Yeah, so, so in with, your case, was it that I think your case, Philippi says he loves God. We all love God, but I don't like inspectors. Oh, I don't like inspectors. I, who think they God. have a sure. God complex. That's the difference. Okay? That's the difference. All right? So, so in your case, right, Bill says you're delegating Coach Strong. His guys need to, he needs to delegate some Coach Strong. Since it sounds like Jay's guys are getting uh, rejected for drilling board holes through studs less than an inch and a quarter, <laughs> he needs to work with his guys a little bit. I'm just saying. All right, now, so <laughs> even – what was I even talking about? I had somewhere I wanted to go. Jay, see what happened? I know. See what Bill. happened there? Bill. I had somewhere I wanted to go doing? with this. <laughs> I wanted somewhere I got to. I, was I love the I went feedback from... tonight, you guys, but we don't have a caller. Who's going to call in? Someone anybody got a code in. issue? Anybody got a Come on. Anybody have an inspector issue or are an inspector and encountered anything? Call in. The number's yeah, at the baby. bottom of the screen. Call in. Call okay. in. So, yeah, so I've I've had that issue with with baseboard heaters in. Oh, that's in where I was. Sorry, I get it. I remember where I was. Yep. Hold on. All right. So your Come issue, back. your issue was he. You had baseboard heat, which two forty volt baseboard heat. Is that what you had? I've had sure. Yeah. So you had two forty uh, on the volt. one that I called you about. Yes. Okay. Two forty volt baseboard heat running in the bedroom. Was it a bedroom? Yes. Yes. Who it's does a, baseboard bedroom, heat anymore? By the way, living um, room but, anyway. and in the kitchen. You would think the basement king would get something in there besides baseboard heat, but whatever. All right, so you've got baseboard heat in the basement or the bed, whatever it is, okay? And um, it was 240-volt circuit. Yes. And yes. He, he rejected Jay because he said it had to be on AFCI. And so he called me. I think he called me, or we talked about it. or so, I don't know how we got this conversation. And I said, I think I said, uh, Jay? That's only for 120 volt branch circuits. Why would he reject guess, that? Why would he? Why would he reject that? Why would he? You know, and and I think didn't you have to make a special trip or a, or somebody had to make a, or whatever it was or something? 
No, no. Actually, I I went ahead and I called him that morning because I was gonna I was going to go out there because I was gonna try to reconfigurate this panel because instantly I was like, oh man, all these baseboard heaters, these two forties are on quad slim breakers, meaning I I have a base so on a quad breaker, pretty much you have four breakers in two breaker spots, so you're slimming right. them down almost like tandems, pretty much. So yeah. the upper breaker was a 20 and the lower breaker was a 20 so it was on the upper a phase and the lower a b phase yeah and the outers they were, and the inners are separate outers to that they were handled tied together so i had a baseboard heater on the inners and a baseboard heater on the outers and i go this panel is full there's no way i'm going to be able to take these off and put in arc faults i'm gonna have to put a a subby bro which subby is a remote distribution bro. panel but anyways i call i i'm, I'm Actually, I'm driving, I'm texting or emailing Paul, and I go, this isn't making sense. And he goes, no, man, it's it's only on 120, so a light bulb clicked. I go, pull over, Jay, call the inspector. And I'm, I kid you not, it is 6.30 in the morning, and this guy's kind of – I don't He's even know like, if he had his first cup of coffee, you know? Hello. <laughs> this is Brad with Arvada, and I'm like, hey, Brad, um, I, I, I kind of got a little – Dude, don't call names issue out. With, with with no 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 Brad's great no this is this is a, actually a compliment to Brad I called him up and um and and I explained it to him and he goes oh okay well I thought they were 120 but that makes sense why there was so many 240 handle ties in there and I said yes sir and so he goes you know what Jay he says I'm when I get into the office I'll sign you off and you don't even have to go back out there so I was like and he said Jay Thank the next you, ten sir. inspections that you do I'll just do drive bys. Just <laughs> he said, I'm so sorry, Jay, that I won't even look out the window next time. Just pass. Just, just wave. Just wave. You good? Hey, you good? You good? That looks good. <laughs> Actually, funny is in Richmond, that's all they're doing is uh, phone inspections. I, I just don't understand yeah. how that. How do I turn this off? <laughs> well, phone inspections are really, really. Um, they haven't. They have to. They have to go around with their phone and show. <laughs> they have to go around with their phone and show all the wiring. And I'm like, see, this just wouldn't work. No, it, it wouldn't just, work. It just all. wouldn't work for me. Uh, I know they have to do with the COVID thing. You got to do what you do. But I'm like, I don't know that would work for me. I was like, no, nah, I got to see this crap. I'd be out there with my mask on. I'd be out there with. Hold on. Yes. I'd be out there with my. With your mask on, with my baby. mask on, doing my inspections. Do you do you still have do you still have giveaways for these? Do you still yeah. have one to give away? Yeah, sent for, one out the first, other day, but I still got. Did you? Yeah. I was gonna say who? who I don't remember. I gave it to Darlene. Or, or can you give one to whoever calls in? Is is, is yeah, that, whoever, is, is, whoever well, calls in. But no, but you in? can't just do you can't just do call in, man. They gotta have a they gotta call in and have a story. Yeah, give us something. <laughs> What's your worst inspection experience? What did you fail for? Yeah. Uh, oh, well, okay, so here's another one, Jay. What about the one you caught? What about the, the labels? The labels for the emergency oh. disconnect. And the, and the inspector said that he wanted on the outside of the door or the inside of the door. Yeah, so so actually I I got hit that day. I got hit on both labelings. It was the label for the emergency service disconnect, emergency disconnect, which is the new code in the 2020. And it was also labeling the, the, the circuit board panel outside in pencil. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, so you asked I, me about I got pencil, hit on both of them. And, and I said, you know, 
pencil, if it's on the outside, you know, the requirement is for permanent markings. So the chances are the pencil's going to withstand the test of time. It's probably not going to happen. Inside panels, inside labels, the you know, labeling that gets done inside of your panel board, legend, things like that. Yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah, I, I, as I told you, I always did mine in pencil, and then I went over it actually in Sharpie. That's just the way I did it um, because I made sure everything was spelled right and everything looked right in pencil. And then we went over it with a fine Sharpie. Uh, so everything looked real. It's just the way we did it. But it wasn't a requirement to do that. Uh, but outside in your situation, again, they have to be durable. They have to last. They have to be, you know, for the environment. We had something. What is this? What is What did Elwood say here? Elwood, Elwood's he bringing saying? in a new, uh, a new sticker promo. WWPD, what would Paul do? What would Paul do? I, I could see that. <laughs> That's so awesome. What would Paul do? You're failed, biatch! Alright, so... Oh! Uh, let's see. I'm going to install some three-way lighting. Okay. Can I bring power to the box? With a single 14.3 using the white? Um, you, you can use the white as long as it's going down to the switch. As long as it's not oh, coming Wood, back up California? to the light. Is this a California three-way? Oh, Come God. on, Elwood. Is Elwood in, in California? He's in California. Is he a Cali? He's Cali mm. or he's Florida, I believe. Elwood, where are you from? He needs to leave. No. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, leave that. Sorry, leave, California. Leave California. I didn't, I didn't, yeah, not California. the room. I thought you meant leave the group. I'm like, no. no. no oh, California. <laughs> anyway, so what was that? California. Okay. No, California three-way with the 14-3 going down to All the right, switch so box. You can use the white going down it just can't use it back up to the light so i don't have a problem with it as long as you identify it re-identify it it's allowed to be re-identified 200.7 i believe or somewhere around there so i'm okay with that i, I, I try to stay away from them i i don't like them i i try to stay away from them. with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The only reason why is... If you're going to do a California three-way and let's say you need to jump power to a receptacle or something, you have no California. neutral there. So for me, I try to stay away from it as a contractor. California. I don't always go the cheapest route, but I will go a smart route, meaning if I'm at the top of the stairs and I have power and my switch leg there, and, and it's more easier, then I'll run a California three-way or 14-3 down there. So you didn't even hear me. Cali getting no love. All right. <laughs> I okay. love California. I love right. the West Coast. Next, I'm from Washington. So. Next, yeah. Oh, hey, how did, did how did Denver do? Yeah, let's. Uh, you know, they. I, I jinxed uh, them. I think what? you jinxed them. You, what happened? You How'd they do? Them. Did they do okay? No, no, okay. they didn't. Let oh, me let me tell you something. And and I, I'm I'm getting off topic, but LeBron James called in the day before the Lakers organization and said. LeBron James isn't going to the foul line enough. Are you kidding me? 
Is this You're calling center? into the NF or the the NBA officials and saying LeBron James isn't going to the foul line enough. He needs to be going twenty to forty times. Let it and out, and he goes twenty five times. Let it out. Ugh. Let it out. Okay. I I inspect in thirteen jurisdictions. All right. Well, wait a minute before you go. Okay. So next interesting fail is <laughs> next interesting next interesting fail is three hundred. Dot twelve five C. Okay. What three hundred? What, what? What? Hold on. Three, what's three hundred twelve five C? No, no. Okay. Three twelve dot five C. What I say? Oh, three twelve. Three twelve. Three twelve dot five C. What I say? Did I say three? I, I think you said it right. Three twelve dot five C. I think is that the one that I want to talk about? Oh, where cables? Yes, that's the one you want to talk about. Okay. So this one is see all over the place. And I literally have pictures of it from jurisdictions and people send me. I mean, it's almost like I have a collection. For those that don't know, for those over in the podcast, uh, 300.12 is talking about when you're securing a cable, when it enters a cabinet cutout box, which is obviously just a disconnect, uh, cutout box, uh, or a meter socket enclosure. All right, so... The main one is the cabinet, panel board. Panel board's inside of a cabinet, okay? That's what it is. The panel board is the guts, okay? 408, yeah. it's the guts. It's the things that the breakers connect to. But it goes inside of a cabinet, right? Which is synonymous with enclosure, but we're talking cabinet. When it, 312.5C. Okay, so the cabinet and the cables are to be secured to the cabinet, some connectors will allow you to take two cables in. Some are rated to just allow one. There's these things called atomics that allow you to do more than two, again, as long as they're the right sizes and you follow the rules for the connector. However, the rule is, is that the cables have to connect to the, to the cabinet, okay? All right? Well, what is a big common thing that I see from people is that they'll take a big, they'll cut the back out or they'll cut the top out, and there's... There's an exception to this rule, but what they'll do is they'll cut it out and they'll put one um, connector, you know, female connector. Yep. No, two male, excuse me, two and male, and a half male connector in and, and to, the, to the cabinet, and then they'll just bring all of these non-metallic sheath cables in through one connector. And it's not even securing. It just, just, it just come into the box. Just, mm-hmm. just come into the box. Yep. I don't know how many times I see this. And inspectors, wherever you're in the country, inspectors seem to, some of them seem to allow this. And they'll justify it by saying, what's it going to hurt? If you secure the cables within 12 inches of the cabinet, which you're supposed to, then they're not going to move. What's the big deal? First of all, it's a violation of the code. If you read 312.5C, and again, we didn't want to get codesy tonight. Okay, where's Robert at? All right, it says, where cable is used... Each cable set should be secured to the cabinet, cutout box, or metal socket enclosure. That's what the rule says. If you're going to bring the cab, uh, the cable directly to the cabinet. Yes. Now, the exception to that, and we're not talking about make, taking one connector and just bringing them all in. Okay? That's just, no. All right? So, you have to connect them. That's why you have all those knockouts in the top of the panel. Hello? That's why they're there, okay? 
So the ones that are big ones that are in the back, they're for bringing service entrance cables into and things like that, right? They're not for you to just put one well, big you, old hawking. When you're talking about knockouts on the top, you you must be talking about interior the half panels, inch, the half and the half and uh, well, if you're get, if you're commercial, you're not going to be dealing with NMB. So all the residential, all the closures I've ever dealt with with uh, you know cabinets with panel boards in them, all had knockouts on the top. Hmm. So I they don't make, see that on exterior ones. I only no, no, see no, that. No, 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 no. Interior, the oh, exterior, interior. Uh, when you put them in the wall, now. Just because a panel doesn't have something doesn't give you the right to do something. So, for example, okay, Jay will say, well, we're going outside. Okay, it's a panel, exterior panel, so they give you one knockout, right? Well, at the end of the day, that doesn't give you carte blanche to skip 312.5C and just bring all of them through one opening. What it might mean is that in that area down there that's open, that you might have to punch half-inch KOs, or three-quarter KOs in that available space. Or they do make panel cabinets that already have, because I've installed them. It's designed to go outside, but along the bottom, they have all the knockouts already in the back side, right? So there is ways to do it, but it doesn't give you the, it doesn't, just because something's, look, just because something's hard and because it's difficult, the NEC was never designed to be convenient cost-effective, and easy. It tells you that all the way back up in the scope. It wasn't designed that way. Sometimes things are quite tough to meet the NEC. But individual cables have to be secured to the enclosure. Now, what's the exception? Okay, well, you have an exception that says cables with entirely, entirely non-metallic sheathing, NMB, if you will, shall be permitted to enter the top of a surface-mounted panel enclosure, or a surface-mounted enclosure um, through one. Actually, I think it's quite interesting that it's in cabinets, cutout boxes, and meter socket enclosures, okay? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so anyway, it says for a surface-mounted enclosure, or we could say cabinet, through one or more non-flexible raceways, not less than 18 inches and not more than 10 feet. So... It has to be surface-mounted enclosure, and we're not talking one of Jay's outside panels, inside. Surface-mounted enclosure, coming out of the top of it, it's got to have a non-flexible raceway. It could be PVC, could be EMT, could be rigid, doesn't matter. Yeah. Those are non-flexible. It's got to be at least 18 inches long and not more than 10 feet long. Okay, pretty simple. It says the raceway, number two, raceway extends directly above the enclosure and does not penetrate a structural ceiling, so it can't go up and then penetrate the structural ceiling that separates one floor from another. So it just got to go up and stop. It's got to stay within that space. Keep it that way. Number three, a fitting is provided on each end of the raceway to protect the cables from abrasion, and the fitting remains accessible after installation. Okay, so basically it's an EMT or a PVC. You put a connector on each end of it. One goes to the box. The other one, put a connector on it, and then you put a bushing on it. Okay, because you can't have abrasion. Has to be all accessible. Okay, on the surface, it's not something you can bed in the wall. Uh, The fourth one, the raceway is sealed or or plugged at the outer end using approved means. Approved being whatever the jurisdiction's okay with. 
And it sure. could be duct seal, but it's a big, big, typically to put enough cables in, it's a bigger opening, so you got to seal it. Most people use a foam, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and seal the end of it. Okay, so crap doesn't fall down in it. Makes sense. Gets into the yeah, open live bus. The lugs are right there. Yep. Um, next, it says uh, the cable sheathing is continuous throughout the raceway and extends into the enclosure beyond the fitting, not less than a quarter of an inch, so it's going to stick down into the box a little bit. Quarter of an inch. There you go. You want to be able to see that sheathing. Okay. Makes sense? Makes sense. Number six, it said the raceway is fastened at the outer end and at the other points in accordance with applicable articles. Again, that's just depending on what type of raceway you're using. It's, you know, depending on your securing and supporting requirements. If it's EMT, it might be different than PVC, whatever. So just make sure you secure it accordingly. And then seven, it says the installation is, um, the, this, is a, this is a kicker here. It says, where installed as conduit or tubing, the cable fill does not exceed the amount that would be permitted for complete conduit or tubing systems by Table 1 of Chapter 9 of the Code in all applicable notes therein too. Note 2 to the table in Chapter 9 does not apply to this article. Okay, so Note 2 tells me that that small space, you get to it, you don't have to worry about the raceway fill. Okay, so what this says is note two in the table does not apply. So that means you still have to meet all of the notes that are in as if it was a complete system. And I believe that's like 300.18 talks about complete runs. So this is telling you, you still got to be careful how many of those you put in it and you still have a fill requirement that you have to do for this. So again, if you meet all these rules, then we'll let you bring it in through one raceway. This has nothing to do with a single connector, trying to bring them all through one connector or through one, uh, what I see people do. Would you call it TA? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I just see it as, you know, a, a, most people will get a, a trade size PVC 2 connector. PVC um, two, two connector. And a half. Yeah, and they, and they just bring them all through it. it it's, code doesn't allow that. And people are saying, well, what's the harm, Paul? What's the harm? Hey, if your jurisdiction allows it, that's fine, but it's not code compliant. And so that's the issue. Inspectors, a lot of them will approve that. And the reason is they say, well, I used to allow it. So, you know, and I'm like, that's not a reason to approve something. Certainly not a reason to deny something. But again, just because you did something doesn't make it right. Again, don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but it's just not what the code allows. So. Anyhow, what is Joe saying here? The 2004s, we had an inspector try to have us install AFCIs in a commercial break room. <laughs> AFCIs in a commercial break Hey, well, Joe, you're going to see some weird crap coming in the 2023 code. I have uh, a feeling. And, yeah, so heads up because – it's just a matter of time before commercial buildings are going to be targeted, okay? Going to be targeted by the AFCI committees. Just saying. Okay. Just hey, I'm saying. not here to say they don't work or what. I'm, you know, we can, I'm, go to, I'm just saying. I'm just, I, this is not an AFCI episode. We did that a couple weeks ago. But they're expanding them. Okay, never mind. I'm gonna let that go. <laughs> I've, I've actually, uh, if you go into 
Article 334.15, exposed work, C, oh, in unfinished basements and crawl spaces, it yes. actually tells you if you're running anything less than a number six, two wire or number eight, three wire, you have to use a running board. So if you're running it on the bottom of the floor joist, which sometimes we do in basements, we come out of the, um, let's say, mechanical room, and there's a ton of ducking up there. So what do we do? We just run it up and, and jump on the bottom of that floor joist until we until we get out of that room. And so I've done this for years, and I never knew this article until you didn't I started get studying here. You didn't get failed on it? No, I've I've never been failed on the running boards. I've I've well, been failed. You failed on the running boards, or or by putting or you know, by in the bottom the of a floor joist. No, I've never failed by not putting them on the running boards. So I've always put up like the stackets right on the floor joist, and I'll run my cables. You know, a couple sets of cables going out, and branch them off. Once they get out into the ceiling, I'll I'll drill above the floor joist. Yeah, it's it's very common. To, it's actually a pretty good one. It's very common to see uh, crawl spaces with people taking and dropping their them down. And what's real common is that people will do this to loop from receptacle to receptacle to receptacle. Yes. And they'll yep. go down and run it across the bottom. I mean, it's convenient, right? And you know, oh, yeah. we we did so many homes. Uh, me and my brother that you know we had a pattern down where we would drill down up. You could just follow the way to wire the house by just following the holes. But drilling yeah. down and then, you know, drilling back up, you know, another, you poke the wire down and you realize that, okay, well, if I'm going to go down and I'm going to go over and go up, if it's a crawl space or a basement, uh, un, you know, unfinished basement, then you can't run them along the bottom of the floor joist. And so, you know, and so you think you're saving you some time, right? Right. But you're not if you have to go down and you have to put running board down or whatever so that it doesn't run, you know. So, again, it's... So, would that, would, would, so it says in unfinished basement. So, let's say mm-hmm. it is a finished basement, but my mechanical room, that room isn't, isn't finished. Would this apply there? Because, again, it is any, a finished any, basement. Any space in there that, that's in a, that's in a basement is going to be unfinished. Gotcha. Again, not arguing the definition of unfinished. So... So Elwood says, so drill holes. So, so that's the thing. When you're drilling them down, sometimes these crawl spaces is really a pain in the butt oh, yeah. to get under They're there like to this. drill. And, of course, all of our, you know, well, more, a little more than that, when I, gotta get, when I know that I'm going to do the under route method by going under, it might be three feet. But then you have to, you know, the reason you're doing it is you're thinking, because I don't want to have to drag a drill down there, I don't want to like, crap, I'm just going down, I'll send the helper under there, he can go over and he can push them back up where they need to come up, and then you forget that you can't run them across the bottom because it says unfinished basements and crawl spaces. I will tell you that some states amend this out, and I'm a hater of amendments. I cannot stand when a state amends the code. I hate it, because the code is the code. So... But some states will get rid of the term crawl space and just use unfinished basements. So they allow them to do it in a crawl space. So, yeah, so Elwood's saying is most of the time I would just drill the daggone holes because you're in a situation. Now, a lot of times if you knew the way the joists were running, it wasn't a big deal because you drill down, 
Then you go down and you get to run on the side of the joist and then you come back up. Yes. And it's not a it's not a big deal. Only problem you'd ever have a big deal is if you get some inspector who comes along and says, Oh, Mr. Abernathy, that crawl space is a wet location. And now you've got N and B in a wet location. I look at him in the eye and I'll go, Is all of that wood on the floor joist treated wood? And he goes, What do you mean? I said, That's Douglas fir. That ain't treated, so it's not a wet location. Get out my face. Or no, I say, I say, oh, what, a, what about the insulating material down there? Yeah? Okay. Anyway, sorry. Well, I was getting hyped up with that. So not all crawl spaces are wet locations, right? No, I, I don't think so. No, no. Right. Not, not at all. So now Elwood says the same in the attic. Uh, no, this only applies to unfinished basements and crawl spaces. In the attic, people do it all the time. Just remember to secure and support it. The only issue you run into in attics is if you're near a scuttle hole or pull-down access, then you got whether or not you've got to be six feet or seven feet, depending on which one you're dealing with, then you have to be, you'll have to be careful in the attic, okay, anywhere in the attic. And that's a whole other episode. Um, and then, of course, you might have to protect it in the attic from physical damage, not so much prohibiting you from running it across the top, but more about protecting it. And I have a whole nother podcast or video that I did on that subject about addicts. <laughs> so go listen to that one, Elwood. Definitely over on our YouTube channel. Man, channel. I cannot believe no one called in tonight, no, Paul. What I tell you? I said, nobody's ah! going to call. Nobody's going to call. All right, is Come that... On. Is that your? Is is that it? Is any other That's issues that you run into? No, that you not run really. into inspectors. Um, I'm trying to look and see if there's any that come to my mind that. Uh, I, I think I think 300.4G, where they talk about a number four insulated conductor insulated. coming in through a raceway, needs to have. You know, there's other methods, but for mine, it's it's common to put a plastic bushing on them, and so. You want to get us, in a neat. You want to get in a. You got. You want to get in a neat conversation about that. Yeah, I do. Okay, so folks that are out there, folks that are over on the podcast, and this is gonna be controversial. I actually had a conversation with somebody the other day about this, so that's why you you said it. And it hit me. Um, so over on three hundred dot four, talking about. The uh, G. Uh, first things first. You do not need a bushing for SE cable connectors. Okay, so I see pictures all over the place where people come into it in cabinet, and they have you know they atomic or whatever they're coming in with a, a SE cable clamp, and they end up screwing a bushing on it. Is it okay? Certainly. Is it a dollar seventy five? You don't have to spend. Or whatever they cost today, Jay. I don't know. I, I don't yeah, something like that. So it's not it's not required because that's not a raceway, but people put it on all, all the time. The reason we have bush now. So let me let me explain a couple of things. In your in your article that deals with, and this is kind of weird. You have to take this how you take it. In the articles that deal with the wiring methods like raceways, IMC, RMC, everything like that, it has a requirement for the bushing so that it doesn't abrade the wire as you're putting it in, okay? That is not exactly what it means in 300.4G for the, for the fittings. So there's a misconception in the industry that I have to have the fitting in place because 300.4G tells me I do when I pull my wire. 
depending on the size, the angle, and what you're doing, you could burn right through the fitting if it's a plastic fitting, bushing, and it makes it pointless. If that happens, guess what? You're going to have to put another one on it. Before you make everything up, slide another one on it because two things. Over in the requirements for the wiring methods, raceways, whatever one you're dealing with, they will have a requirement for bushings. This rule right here says fittings. So while they could be synonymous in the application, the one in 300.4G talks about the final result. Okay, so when you're maneuvering the conductors or bending them out, that they don't get damaged. Okay, they don't get this sure. in the end. The other requirement for bushings is what's in the actual article for the actual wiring method. Now, they might synonymously be the same, but at the end of the day, some people say, do I have to have a bushing on it when I pull it? I know I have to have a bushing on it when it's four and larger and it's a raceway at the final inspection. I mean, the final, I've got to have it. The installation requirement comes from the article itself, and there's a separate section just for the bushings, and it specifically says for abrasion. If you read this rule right here, yeah. it says where raceways contain four AWG or larger insulated conductors, okay, insulated conductors, by the way, uh, and it says, and these conductors enter the cabinet, a box, an enclosure, or a raceway, the conductors shall be protected in accordance with any of the following. And it gives us a one, a two, a three, and a four. Different ways to achieve this, okay? Yep. And then if you go down and read after that, it says, Conduit bushings constructed wholly of insulated materials shall not be used to secure a fitting. So, again, you still got to have lock nuts. It's, it's not there to be mechanical, okay? It says, The insulating fitting or insulating material shall have a temperature rating not less than the insulated temperature rating of the installed conductor. So, again, it has to be if it's 90-degree rated insulated conductors and it has the 90-degree rating on the bushing. Point being, somebody argued that you didn't have to have bushings during your installation when you were pulling the wires and that they would burn it out. I have pulled enough wire where my tugger actually has a cup that goes in the, in the end of the, It actually goes down into the end of where it goes into the raceway. Not all are like that, okay? But I have, and that keeps you from damaging it. If there's a risk of damage it during the pull, then the article for the wiring method has a bushing requirement. 300.4G is the overall requirement that says at the end, you have to have the bushing in place or you meet one of these methods. So they work together, but they're essentially two different things, okay? So it point is if you're pulling conductors in and you damage a bushing because you're getting rid of the sharp edge which you have to ream anyway and follow the rules anyway if you do you still have to add another bushing and remove that one because you use that one to keep it from damaging the wire during the pull but then you'll have to install another one because the code says it has to be in place and if obviously you damage during the pull then you're going to have to put another one okay i have never damaged a bushing when I pulled. I never have, and I pulled big wire, 500 KC mills, and we pull it all the time at work, and we have bushings on it. I never get a tugger going fast enough that it burns through anything. And it's usually so rigid in the big sizes that once it's going down, our tugger actually feeds it down in, so I don't encounter it. But again, it was an interesting thing that came up the other day that because 300.4G says one thing, 
But then when you read the specific requirement for bushings under the code reference for whatever article of whatever raceway you're using, says it a little differently because it talks about abrasion, things like that. So that's obviously during the pull inside of that wiring method. So they're two different things. Now, one might meet both, okay? But they are two separate things. I don't even know why mm. I went. I don't know why I went that detailed on that. What was your yeah, that's, issue? That, that's really no. Mine was just more for the for SCR because we do a lot of uh, panels in the basements that we feed from our from the main panels. So we'll take a number six SCR to a fifty amp remote distribution panel, and again a number six we don't have subby to put bra. a bushing on a subby bra subby bra subby bra. But when we do, let's say, a 60 You ever had an inspector? No inspector ever failed you and told you to have, have a bushing on it? I had people called me for that. Oh, yeah. He's, I've, I've failed plenty of times. And up until the point that I listened to one of your episodes. I did an episode on that somewhere. And, and it said that. It said um, you went over it and you were like, where raceways containing four AWG or larger? Well, first of all, the SCR is not in a raceway. It's, it's a cable assembly itself. So it just... The light went ding. So again, do I do my guys put them on most of the time? Yes, of course we, we put it on. But let's say I'm in an install and I'm running some uh, number two ser, and I forgot the bushing. I'm not putting it on, man. I'm mm. not doing it. Do you no. know? So sometimes we go above and beyond. But that that's a good one for. I, I've, let's put it this way: I failed more on this code article by not putting bushings. Than I have on a two and a half inch TA in the back of a uh, of a surface mounted uh, exterior panel. You've done that all the time. Every panel change out I've ever changed out in here in Colorado, they are like that. So I mean, again, I now knowing the code, Colorado baby, I'm I'm. <laughs> It's a payoff going on. That's I'm telling right. you. <laughs> King Subby for president. <laughs> Basement, Basement baller. baller. Oh, Caleb, you are, you're awesome, man. I love the Look, names that he uh, comes Kevin, up with. Kevin said that he had a crawl space that was basically six inches above sand. Oh, wow. Uh, on the beach, bro. You're on the beach, bro. Doing a beach house? You know, that one, Kevin, the <laughs> sand and six, you know, Kevin was the was the was the lumber treated lumber. No, I can see where if 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 in doubt in one of those sand directly under it, it's not, you know that type of thing. That sounds weird. Um, then yeah, that might be the best move was to run UF in that location because that might be a uh, might indeed yeah. Oh, and he didn't secure it, so that tells me he just fished it down and um, under because ain't nobody going in a six inch <laughs> space. So. <laughs> Yeah. Untreated. Ooh. Unless your unless your army Ooh. crawling. Nah, ain't army uh, crawling. Get down there. Old school beach house. Oh, it was like on a beach, man. That's yeah, wet, that's wet that's location. Say. UFB. UFB. It's wet location. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Um, what else? Um So next next week's topic. I wanna I wanna or, or a topic coming up that I wanna uh, that I wanna tell you guys about is going to be our top five tips and tricks of the trade so you're going to get five of my top tips and tricks of 
how I install things, um, kind of an easier way to install things, what I use, if I'm in a certain situation, how I bail myself out of those situations. And you're also going to, you know, I know you, Paul, you have plenty of tips and tricks. So that's going to be exciting. And I hope that you guys call in on that one so we can hear some of your tips and tricks. He put the pressure on me, didn't he? He said, I know you've got tons of them, Paul. (laughs) Yeah, here's a tip. Paul, turn your light on in front of you next time. Dude, I, I have a hard time remembering to turn the light on in front of me. Tips and tricks. Okay. We do our best work in the dark. Yes, right. Don't forget that. That's right. That's right. That's right. Without us, you're going to be in the dark. That's right. So, um, also, for those that ask, again, I will Get tell you that. I'll look it up. In these envelopes, P-tabs. People, they, they're live on the website, and people are starting to buy them. We're shipping them out. Uh, they'll be coming to U.S. mail, so let's pray they don't ne- end up next to the ballots. And, you know, in, in the gutter somewhere, I'm sure they'll make it to you. Okay? But look for your envelope like this for those that order the Pete tabs. Okay? And appreciate all of you getting those. All right, Jay, it looks like that's it. It was a great show. Tips and tricks. Yeah, see, we're already getting Kevin's already on board. Philip, I, I, um, I don't know M3 Electrical. I do not know them, um, but I will. I'll look them up. He's going to look them up. He's going to look into them now. So, um, and as far as Kevin, I'm looking for plug looking mold. for a tip and tricks for installing plug mold under cabinets. There's no. I don't know. If, there's I, no I, tip I, there. There's no <laughs> tip for installing plug mold under it. It's just knuckle bleeding, getting them cut and putting them up. That's it. This is going to be a fun episode. I know we're going to get guys on the chat line that are just going to, they're going to ask us all kinds of questions, and I hope you do. And someone call in. Give us some here, here's, the biggest, here's the biggest tip I can give you on, on the plug mold. When you install it up there, if that's your serving your countertop, you know you can't be higher than 20 inches. I got a, a couple, I guess it was a tw- uh, maybe a couple months ago, I got a call from this from this contractor he was crying the blue you made me think i just he made me think about it he was crying the blues called me up and say paul paul i failed my inspection i said what's what's wrong he said i installed plug mold for my you know because i want they, they had a it was a real upscale home and they have the backsplash was just really nice i mean just pretty black backsplash and i was like okay and he goes, so I put the receptacles that serve the countertop up in, in the in, underneath in the plug mold. And I'm like, okay. And in my mind, I'm thinking maybe every counter is not more than 20 inches from the top of the counter to the bottom of the, you know, to the receptacle. I'm like, okay. I, I, was, I was waiting for him to say, is that a violation? And I was going to say, no, it's fine. You can put it, you know, above the countertop code allows you to put it in the countertop pop-ups you know things like that why he goes well the the bottom of the cabinets were 23 inches high and i went oh you got a problem then don't you because it's all done and you've got nothing but receptacles in underneath so guess how he had to so i couldn't help him so guess how he had to fix it he dropped down that. How, how thick was the plug mold? 
Uh, I, I, it, I didn't get into it. I guess it was no. Oh, it hid, like it hid behind inch? the over under the overhang. Oh, okay. So so it was up there. It's about twenty two inches. Okay. It yeah. didn't hang down. No, it wasn't. Far his enough. his was up. He he did it to the bottom <laughs> the bottom <laughs> of the thing. I would have. He didn't do it on the back side. In between it or something. Know. No, it was up. You know. And uh, anyway, what he ended up having to do was those receptacles. You first of all. Those were on the small appliance brand circuit, okay? And you're allowed to have, as long as it wasn't higher than five and a half feet, you're allowed to have the other receptacles in the room to be on it. So ultimately, he had to go out of it, put junction boxes in all of the cabinets. (laughs) It's a a high-end home. He put junction boxes so that he could then drill the back of the cabinet, a hole in the back, and fish it down to put them, and he had to cut all of the backsplash to put cut receptacles in that real high end backsplash in order to get receptacles in there. That's an example where he's lose he's going to lose his butt on that. Trying oh to do yeah! That. If you mess it up, you're paying for it. And that is one of those things where I tell people: look at the drawings, look at the cabinet height. Look at all the architecturals. Anytime you're putting something outside, just kind of look at everything on these high-end homes because he should have known that it wasn't good. So what he did was he had the wire there, and he knew he was going to put under them. He had poked it out, so the cabinet guy came, cut the hole in the back part, and poked it out. The problem was it just was up, it was up too high. And so uh, I told him I probably would have done something a little different I probably would have pulled the mold and I would put a junction box underneath it, which, you know, got as shallow as I could get that could handle the wires and still not meet the the box field. And then come out of that and try to get back down to the the wall. I would not have put junction boxes up in the cabinet and then tried to run it down. I would have, because then he put them up in the cabinet and then he sleeved them in flex. And I'm like, you know, flex doesn't meet the requirement for physical damage, and they're going to be jamming stuff in that cabinet. So flex might sound like an easy fix to to sleeve it so it looks a little neater inside of the cabinet, you know? I said, but you still open the cabinets, and all you saw was a box and flex. And I was like, it's probably not how I'd have done it. I would have taken those below. I would have tried to find a box that would have fit up there. And, you know, you can also, since there's only probably only, you know, Four wires. You think about it, well, uh, uh, probably two coming so in, you, two going out, and then the one going, you know, going to the next one, and then going. So, yeah. But anyway, he would have had enough. He could have found a box that he could have come out, and then he could have gone through the back, and then he could, and you wouldn't have been able to see the box underneath unless you looked down underneath. And you're going to see the plug mold anyway. So, I mean, what it would have mattered. Um, so, I don't know. But anyway, he told me he had to cut every one of them because of that mistake. That's a plug mold story, and don't make that mistake. Know the code. Know the maximum height that you can have above your countertop. And the problem was, you know, I would have told him, I said, you're going to get receptacles. You know what? I've had people ask me that. I would have said, you're going to get receptacles in your backsplash, whether you like it or not. I would have cut them in. Yeah, no doubt. I would cut them in, make the tile person cut around them. But his high end, it was he. It was a. It was like a mosaic, like a. It, here's the worst part. 
I think these were custom painted tiles. So it had a, you know, like a scene. And now he's having to go back and cut them to put receptacles in. I felt sorry. The poor guy was almost in tears. And I'm like, you know, what's your other choice? Get, try to get the circuits under the counter and then cut pop-ups in the counter. So then I'm sure that they had high-end countertops. I mean, that wouldn't have been preferred. You know, those pop-ups are expensive too. Like four or $500 a pop for ones that yeah. are legit. You can't use the ones with the cord on it. And to try to find it. that space, though, in there, too, because sometimes the sink is next, or the dishwasher is next to the sink, and there's no, no place to put it. one in there. So I've, I've actually had that where the inspector al- allowed me to put a, because I had windows. I had windows to the left and right of the, of the sink. Mm-hmm. So I had no cabinets. I had no countertop space. Um, and to the right of it, I was able to get one within two feet. I apologize. To the left, I wasn't. And not only was there a bay window, there was a dishwasher to the left of the sink. So I said, man, I, said, I, I, I don't know what you – help me out. What, 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 what would you allow me to do? And he said, I'll tell you what. If you put the outlet underneath the cabinet, underneath the sink cabinet, and you put it you know, within six inches of where when you open up the, the sink cabinet down low and there's a receptacle there, he says, I'll allow that. And I said – Wow, so you just spent all this time bashing the inspectors, but this one cut you a break. Wow. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) This is what you get, Z. This is what you get for being nice and and, and, and inspectors are nice, and then you come on a show and you you bash the hell out of them. Wow, that's just... Wow. Okay, well, we know how Jay is, don't we? All right, folks, well, that's it for tonight's show, I guess. Jay, we, we pretty much beat this one to death, everybody, so... Yeah. Uh, again, anybody out there, you didn't call in, but we're going to keep that phone line ready for next time so that you can call in and uh, join us. We'd love to hear from you. So, Jay, yep. tell everybody bye. And, uh, See you guys. And we're out of here. Week. Thanks for joining us. Have a good week. Great, great communication on the comment line tonight. It was awesome. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. And. Have a good week. Stay safe. Everybody take care. You're listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul Abernathy and Jay Grunberg.